Hello? Yes, I'm here. Okay. Yeah, to finish to finish what I was saying, like I haven't even um I've been on a lot of retreats and stuff, but um um in in terms of, you know, giving giving it a try um um and and again, it's it's a lot of culture stuff involved in that I'm trying to fit myself into a, a culture and trying to fit in trying to be normal in a certain way i'm not really into that i don't really i'm not that interested in it uh, anymore i was but not anymore really um and I, I think that um i don't know whether whether it's just for a little bit of time giving monasticism a try but yeah, and um, I, I did. I did ask a certain question to um, someone before, someone who's in the monastic life, um, you know, directly in in England. I said, you know, is it is it worth giving uh, uh, giving the kind of normal lifestyle a try? Um, and they said, you know, I can't answer that question for you. You've got to try it for yourself. But the way things are headed, it doesn't seem to be um, that fulfilling. All right. The first thing that we can talk about that is that it's um, it's not black and white. It's not gray. It's black, then white, then black, <laughs> then white, then black than white kind of in a samsara kind of way mm. all right sometimes you feel like a nut sometimes you don't sometimes you feel like you want to be married and live in a house and have all the wife and kids and all of that sometimes you think you want to be in the in the what i understand that i've been down that road dozens <laughs> of times it's a circle and that um in thailand it's also known that, in fact, in, in Thailand, the culture is built into where the young man goes and becomes a monk first. Then he has a householder life for a while. But upon retirement, he goes back into the monastic life. And the, the magic age for that is 55. But that doesn't mean that uh, they, they can't do it. There are many, many times that, in fact, I have seen it uh, and that I've actually, uh, because of the occasion, have talked to university professors in the West who are knowledgeable of Buddhism and know that this is also the case. They know this, okay? So this is actually so, so much common knowledge that even professors in the West know that uh, the tradition of the Buddhism is, is that in Thailand, not only does that guy go when he's a young man and then go when he's 55, but he may, in fact, go and become a monk and ordain and stay a monk until his family needs him in the business. And then he'll disrobe. And when the family doesn't need him anymore, he'll robe again. Mm. And the traditional systems with that has to do with seven ordinations. That's the limit. But Thailand has an artificial limit of three. It's artificial in two ways. It's artificial because it goes against the Vinaya, and it's artificial in the sense that you can get around it easy enough. 
And so um, when we look at it like that, we can we can take a different viewpoint. Rather than you making the decision, oh, I've got to make a big choice now, one or the other. Because no, whichever choice you make now, three, four, five years, you will still have that choice available and then you want the other. Sometimes you feel like a nut and sometimes you don't. That I mean, this is one of the deepest teachings of the Buddha. It's called Anicca. Things change. Your mind changes. In fact, the whole uh, progress of the path is to be able to make changes rather than getting stuck in right. the old time. Yeah, yeah, right. But when, when I look at people, um, the... Um, there's there's no attraction at all um, in terms of um, you know wanting a relationship at least. Okay. Um, that there's there's some you know lust might come up from from time to time, but in terms of wanting a relationship, not really. Um, all right. It's just well, no the, like this yeah. Is, this is also a uh, a big part of. Um, the issue that the Buddha could see in his time. Now, the Westerners see things completely differently than they did in the time of the Buddha, and the Thai people themselves are in between there, but they lend, lean towards the, the, the issue of the Buddha. Now, here's what's going on. In the West, we see celibacy as a great big rock or stone. And celibacy is not the issue with the Buddha. Hmm. The issue with the Buddha is the obligations that come along with the relationship. Hmm. Okay, that that's the main issue is, is that uh, we are obligated. In fact, he really, uh, the, the sutta that's the most famous is that he really chewed uh, a monk out over the fact that he, um, in coming in, after he was ordained, his wife came to him and said, please do it with me because I want a baby. And the point was, the Buddha says, is, hey, man, don't go having babies because you're obligated to them, whether you're in the Sangha or not. That, in fact, that's what happened with Rahula. That when... Um, Rahula's mother, I forgot her name, uh, uh, Dasa or something like that. Mm. And when she saw him coming back, she told Rahula, the young boy, to go to your father to get your inheritance. Okay, she said that kind of out of anger and spite and whatnot like that. But she didn't recognize that, that was a goodbye kiss because her, her father, uh, his, <laughs> uh, her son's father, would give him his inheritance, mm. and that came along with a robe, <laughs> and he took that seven-year-old with him. Okay, yeah. that's the that's the point. Is is that we have that obligation for for fathers, but that it's also the obligation uh, of of the wife. And so that's why in Thailand they have that relationship that even though the man will leave the, the house and go into the, uh, the monastic, he still has fairly deep ties back with the family. Mm. 
that's one of the things that's different than the Westerners, especially when they come to Asia, is is that they lose that connection with their families. Mm. Especially if they go to a place like Watsuan Mok. Now, if the monk, uh, Thai monk goes to Watsuan Mok, that's because his family lives in Chaya, and mm. he can walk. <laughs> <laughs> However, if the monk goes to uh, to Watsuan Mok from the west, because of power issues, time of day issues, telephone issues, and all of that kind of stuff, he is actually going to be quite separated from his family. That's one of the issues. The point that I'm making on th- in that regard for you is, is that you've been in Thailand long enough to have kind of gotten over that problem. Right. Um, I mean, I, I did set up... It's not that it's a bad thing, but I did set up a, a weekly uh, weekly call with with my family, and uh, that's that's the reason I haven't been showing up to the sangha thing. It, it's exactly at the same time for the UK sangha, so oh. yeah, okay. yeah, we have a weekly call at the exact same time every week. Um, but it was more, it was actually more for my for my grandma because I, I know she's she's not going to be around forever. Um, she's doing well though, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Well. That's what we mean by family obligations. You just mentioned one. You have an obligation to your grandma. Yeah. Okay. And these family obligations the Buddha knows about. That's part, that's part of the reason why it's about permission. That the mm. monk, in order to ordain as a monk, has to have his mother's permission. That's been the case since the time of the Buddha. Mm. Okay. I remember one one occasions was a really big deal, and that was when Buddy, who became Santa Carl, his mom and dad actually came to watch Soin Milk to check the thing out before they were going to give him permission. <laughs> well, I got by with a letter from my mom. Yeah. Okay, but that um. but that's almost never the case in the in Thailand. Because it's not a matter of getting permission from the mom. It's getting away from her before she drags you into the what. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Uh, And so there's many, many cultural differences. But let's go back to that issue of relationships and whatnot. Because the whole point of the monastic sangha or the uh, the bhikkhu sangha is the issue of freedom. The freedom from having to have a household, mm. the freedom from having to have um, these family obligations that are there over and over and over again, day by day, week by week, get some distance. You still have those family obligations, but you could do it from a bit of distance as opposed to being the thick of it. This is why it's quite possible, then, as I was saying, for the Thai wife to let her husband go to the Wat for as long as he wants to, and she'll wait on him for him to come back. (laughs) Just don't go too long. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, And if it's too long, like five, ten years, something like that, then... Times have changed, relationships have changed, that kind of thing. And so uh, the wife may present the, uh, the monk with, if you don't or disrobe and come back, now it's time for me to move on. Mm. 
Okay, so that that obligation would be there that the Buddha would recommend. Let's not have that. Let's let's break it off in the beginning so that you do have the freedom without having to been dragged back into the family situation. But even though you do get dragged back into the family situation from time to time, you still got your whole life and you can Mm. come in and out of the Sangha and uh, family life. And that is so alien to the Western mindset because of the way that Catholicism operated. You know, if you leave our place, we're going to excommunicate you and trash you and all kinds of other stuff, and you'll never get back. IBM Corporation actually does that. That was one of the things that I learned when I was there. Learned it when I went to work there and certainly heard about it when I left is that if you leave IBM, they'll never take you back, no matter what degrees or um, uh, Nobel Prizes you've got or anything. If you leave (laughs) IBM, you're not coming back. And that's a very Western kind of mentality. But with the Sangha, it's always a group of friends anyway. Even if you leave the Sangha, you're not leaving Especially if you, uh, your family's living in the village that you were in in the Watt. Mm. So um, this is actually what happens in these Watts is, is the guys who do spend years as a monk but disrobe and become a layman, they wind up being the trustees or the deacons or whatever kind of word that you would want to use for the guys and their and their families who actually run the watt with the finances and the stuff like that. And so the lay people actually control the finances of most temples. Very rarely does a monk control the finances at a temple. And if he's right. caught at it, <laughs> if he's caught at it, there's the problems. Um, so um, I would say to, to not hassle yourself over having to make a great big choice. Right, yeah. That the choice is actually more of the obligation to the wife and her expectations, and that will have more to do with children than anything else. So if you understand that, then that means that you can manipulate your situation to give yourself the, the most uh, wiggle room. I see, okay. Yeah. Okay, so uh, that way you can move in and out of the monastic life. Uh, and there's a there's a third option. And that third option is um, was always there available, but the third option here in the West now, or let us say in Thailand, because of situations, there's actually four options. Okay. This third option, which actually winds up being two versions of the third option, is to go to the Wat and live there like a monk, with or without the robes. Hmm. That with or without the robes and like a monk is meaning that you can ordain as a Samanen or a Samanera, a student monk, even as an adult, because you're a Farang, they would want that for you anyway. And that the, then the restrictions are not so strong. It's really easy to get in and out of the robes if you're only ordaining as salmon in. There's no restrictions there. You can ordain as a salmon in a hundred times. Mm. 
if you can find an abbot of a wat who's willing to do that, because the salmon ceremony is actually quite easy. They do that in great big groups and whatnot. Um, in Udon Thani, there's actually a yearly ceremony to where large groups of men will ordain, like 500, maybe 5,000, will ordain for two weeks or whatever, like to go to boot camp or whatever. But they're not ordained fully monks. They're ordained as salmon in, but they still wear the orange robes, live with the orange monks, and all of that kind of stuff. Okay. But then for the Westerners, there's a fourth option. And that fourth option is actually quite common in Thailand also. And that is, is that you don't have to become either a monk in orange uh, or a salmon in an orange. You can still be a layman and live in the Wat. Many, many watts. In fact, you've probably gone to watch and some of the people that you see there, if you go often enough, you recognize this guy's here all the time so much he must live here. Yep, he probably does. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, there's uh, a number of laymen who lay who live at the Wat, at Watso and Mok. And there's another thing, which is actually the kind of the crowning jewel, is uh, Wat um, Dom Kiem. Wat Dam Kim was built uh, by Achan Po and Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa and reclaimed some, uh, some swampland and other things like that uh, to build a Wat uh, for uh, Santikara. He never really got fully ordained up to the point of 20 years so that he could actually officially become hmm. an abbot. He was in for 18 years. And so... Um, but they built that place for him. What it's used for now is uh, there are monks who stay there, but it's uh, absolutely open and inviting under normal circumstances, being non-COVID, for Westerners to come and live the life of a monk without ordaining or doing anything, no precepts other than uh, living the life that, you would expect to be living out there, but it's not a formal thing. You just come and stay and and live. And how the, how they eat then is there's two ways. One is that it's close enough to walk over to the uh, kitchen area at the International Dhamma Hermitage. And so if there is any uh, retreats going on, then you can eat there free. Well, they normally have two retreats a month prior to COVID and probably after, which means then that going to Bendabad only need, needs to be done 10 times, and then you can do that with with the monks, that in fact, Achan Meti makes a point of uh, being there at the Wat, uh, so he can take the foreigners on Bendabad when there's no food available at the uh, International Dhamma Hermitage. Mm. So basically what we're saying is, if you get your butt into South Thailand down here, We'll give you free room and board just to stay. Hmm. And that makes life pretty easy, doesn't it? Well, that, <laughs> that yeah. means that the only thing that we have to deal with now is what kind of visa do you oh, have? I thought you going to say the mind, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, the only financial issue that we yeah. have is, uh, right. <laughs> yes. Then when we get that straightened out, uh, <laughs> then there is the reason for coming. And that is, is that uh, now that you've basically, we could say it this way, 
that one of the advantages of people who come to the Watt, regardless of how many miles they traveled, is the fact that when they come, they normally come fairly clean. They come with very little baggage, a backpack or so, not a whole house full of goods. Okay, so, and because they come into the white fairly clean, that means that really the only thing that they have to take care of is the mind. And that's exactly the way that we want it. To where uh, in uh, in other cases, like the situation that you are now, I mean, just look look behind you and look all the stuff you got to take care right. of. Yeah. But that get that base that owns you. <laughs> if it needs tuning, guess who it asks to tune it? Mm. It's your job. Okay, so this is what material possessions are all about. And getting to the point that we can live simply without a lot of material possessions makes dealing with the mind easy. In other words, if there's nothing that we're attached to physically, then when we lose it, we didn't lose any attachments. And so we actually come to the what. In the beginning, we come to the what already having to, to deal with the fact that we've given up a lot of our um, lovely material possessions. Mm. And so, uh, but you can see that that was the case absolutely back to the time of the Buddha. So that he would say, you know, you've got a choice. If you want to be a, a lay follower of me, fine. In fact, they didn't even have the word lay. The word laity and lay is, again, a Christian term, a Catholic mm. term. Thai people don't use that word. Everybody's Buddhist. <laughs> unless you're Muslim. But if you're Thai, you're Buddhist. And they don't even make that distinction. Is do you Are you going to the Wat now or not? That's the question. But um, in the time of the Buddha, there were those who would take the Buddha on as his teacher. But some of them ordained and some of them didn't. He still had a number of householders. There's a number of suttas. In fact, one of them that we can point at directly is the dog duty aesthetic uh, sutta, which is number 57 where both the calc uh, duty aesthetic came and the dog duty aesthetic came to the Buddha and had a conversation with him. At the end of that, one of them ordained and the other one remained a lay follower. Well, wait a minute. We're talking about these aesthetics. We're talking about people who have already left the world, that they're no longer householders. And yet one of them still rem will remain outside of the Sangha and he's going to continue maybe being the cow duty aesthetic or something like that, but he's going to do it with a Buddhist twist or something. I'm not quite sure of what that means, because normally when one takes the Buddha as, as, a, uh, 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 as a follower but doesn't ordain, it's because he's got property. He's a householder. But in fact, the, the term householder does not equate with lay people in the way that we think of it in the mind. So a lay Buddhist in the West, we would think of as a householder. But in fact, um, a householder means he actually owns property. Right, yeah. And that property or that house then 
uh, is an obligation for him that he can't leave it, but that then the intention is is for him to uh, stay at home, do whatever obligations that he has, but most of the business of that property is given over to the wife so that she orders the servants around and she takes care of the furniture and pays the bills and the obligations and manages the companies or the family business while he hangs out at the what but he's not ordained mm. he's still a householder and he may or may not sleep at the what tonight and that's a very common lifestyle in thailand and so that's something that you can piddle with in other words you can just go start spending a few nights at some of the watch you're already in thailand You've already got everything that you need. You don't have to buy a plane ticket or anything. You can yeah, walk I've, out the street, walk down I've, the street. Um, you'll find I've heard a about that before. With um, I can't remember whose whose book I was reading. Um, maybe it, maybe it was Buddha Dasa's book. He was saying, oh, instead people these days instead of instead of staying at the what they go to these expensive hotels when they can just sleep for free. Um, but where where would exactly would they stay in the in the main in the main hall like the with the I, you know. it, it would it would be possible, but unnecessary to stay in the boat. But normally, we're in the tropics now. We understand that. There are lots of buildings, including salas and, and uh, overhangs and places. So all you need is a floor above the ground and a roof over your head for maybe the rain. Maybe a mosquito net, too. And maybe a mosquito net or a mosquito coil or something like that. Mm. Exactly. And that's all you need. And there's uh, dozens and dozens of places in every watt that has that kind of situation. That, in fact, if you've got a friend, a monk, you can ask yourself can, or ask him if you mm. can sleep on his Kuti's uh, 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 porch. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so the, these are ways that, that you can do it there. And like I said, Dom Kiel is set up for that. The problem right now, though, is COVID. And you know that COVID is being taken far more seriously in Thailand by the average person than there is in either the U.S. or the U.K. And so that may make then uh, visits to the Watt problematic. They want to know who you are. But if you already know them at the Watt, make sure that you're wearing the best high-quality mask and maybe even the glass face shield or the plastic shield or whatever like that uh, when you go. Uh, so there are issues around uh, COVID that we, we just have to deal with, and that's going to be there for probably yet another year. Hmm. Uh, at one time, they thought for sure that they would be opening uh, Thailand back to tourism in, in September. Guess what? It's September and things are really locked. <laughs> so we don't know what that's going to be but if you already have uh some friends in fact you were at um uh the buddha dasa wad in chiang yeah, Mai, so that I, might I was, be a place uh, yeah i do i do have a friend yeah okay so start spending some time start hanging out in the watch that's the first thing that you would do in fact if i were um advising you and you were in the west that would be the advice that I would give there. Don't just move in, but do it slowly. 
But if you've mm. already been there slowly, then and you've already uh, got some friends in the Watt, then go to them and say, "Can I spend just tonight?" If you can get there one night, all you need is just one more night. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then we have the iterative proof going one after another after another, but it's only one at a time. So this is the way to uh, to do it. And if that becomes, um, let us say, an adorable lifestyle for you, then you might want to consider coming down here to South Thailand, where we're in the business of doing what we're talking about. <laughs> Can you repeat the um, Ajahn Pos and um, Santi Caro's place again? Okay, yes. Uh, I don't think you're going to find anything about it. Oh, okay. Uh, but it is um, uh, Dom Kim. But Achan Po's place is deep of a one, and I can send you a link for that if you like. Sure. Because they do have, I don't even know what their retreats are now. COVID has just stopped everything here in Thailand. And so I don't know what what they're doing much. other than holidays you've we've talked about obligations um and it's i'd still like to complete this um semester you know um of, of work for the school rather than leaving halfway through for uh yeah well you're good to go as long as you've got the visa that you have that uh, the work permit visa but i would say that uh it's very common for people to leave to lose the work visa and to not be able to stay in thailand the first thing i think that uh that both of them are a non-immigrant o but one of them i don't know what yours is if yours b. is a non if okay if yours is a non-immigrant b you will have to go to uh to vietnam with the right paperwork and get a non-immigrant o or if you not, but don't do it with me because, or by my say so, because I haven't dealt with that kind of stuff for many, many years. Okay. Uh, but check that out because there may be a non-immigrant M for married, and that may be mm. something that you want to check out. But the non-immigrant O is the one that is used for the retirement visa. Yeah. Okay. There's also a non-immigrant R, but those are quite rare. And there's a non-immigrant E for education. So you can turn the tables around and instead of you being a worker as a teacher, you can just be nominally a student at some school and every year you pay them to get that document says that you're still a student there. Mm. So there's ways around all of this. But the good old way to do it was just one tourist visa after another after another. But I think that they made some changes with that so that it's easier to stay and get an extension before you have to leave the country every three months. Yeah, it's quite it's quite easy to extend it with with COVID. Um, you don't have to leave the country. You can do it online, actually, a lot of the time. That's good. That's mm. good. So I'll leave that actual the details of all of the visas and everything to you, but uh, um, 
the point that I really want to impress upon you that it's not a choice of black or white. Because even if you make the choice of black or white, that doesn't mean that you've lost the ability to make the choice of black or white. (laughs) (laughs) One of the ways that I talk about it is, is that I have personally in my lifetime retired four times. (laughs) But only three of uh, but three of them didn't stick. (laughs) Yeah. But that's a way of looking at, yeah, you can just retire. Mm. Until you figure out that, hey, you don't want to retire now, you want to go back to work. Mm. Hmm. So that's, give yourself that, that freedom. The freedom is, is that you're not sticking, uh, by, by making one choice, you're not losing all of your choices. You'll always have choice. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And the Sangha is built upon that because there have been so many hundreds of thousands who, of people with different situations who have had to make choices. And it's wound up being now structurally built into uh, the way that the Sangha operates here in Thailand so that it really is a revolving door. Hmm. I'm hearing something coming through there. Uh, do you want to? I'm sorry. What? I'm hearing the other call coming through. Would it be yes, a good time I... to end this one? All right. Well, let's finish now, and we can come back and talk about it a little bit more. But I think that you've gotten the point that you were kind of in a consternation. To, do I do this and do I do that? And the answer to that is you don't have to have those kind of feelings because yeah, your yeah. choices are not important. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you later. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Demerito. Have a good afternoon. <laughs>